You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. Small crowd, meaning powerful service. Just give a minute for people to get settled down, transition here. If when I stand here and look out, you think I'm looking at you, don't worry, without my glasses on, I can't see anyhow. It's just a bunch of blur out there. So, and for information's sake, this will be sort of a follow-up or a sequel to last week's message, especially when we get to the application. But first, of course, per usual, we'll start with a brief review. And it also comes to, to my mind, I didn't really think about this until it popped into my mind this morning when we were praying before the service. This message could very well ramp up our effectiveness in kingdom work. This message could be a missing link or missing piece that we, we know about, but we might not have actually put the piece in the puzzle. So we'll see as we move through, and especially... Especially as we get to the application, we see how this all plays out. And it's something that God may be just tweaking to make us more effective in our mission. It's all about the mission, right? So last week's title was Be Intentional. And we discussed the need to be intentional and to be strategic about evangelism and about witnessing. Because we're not. Do I get any disagreement there? We're not. We're haphazard about it. Hey, I'm, I'm looking for it, maybe. And if it happens, it happens. But we don't actually become intentional and strategic in our evangelism efforts. It's not top of the list in our lives. It's something we know we should be doing. And many of us are concerned about it. But it's still not at the top of the list. There's too many other earthly things that vie for our attention. For us to really become intentional and strategic about reaching the lost. And yet we say it every week, right, Art? That's why we're alive. That's the reason we exist. And it could be the reason why we're not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit is because the power of the Holy Spirit is to make us effective on mission. And if we're not really that concerned about the mission, why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? We're seeking in vain. Great place for an amen. We're seeking in vain. The church is seeking that sensation, but we're seeking in vain if we're not intentional and strategic and very concerned about the mission that we're on. The two are inseparable. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do what? To be my witnesses and tell people about me. The two are inseparable. We've tried to live with them as two separate components, and they're not. 
We showed the map. Paul and his companions, they left Paphos by ship. This is over on the western end of Cyprus, and they, they sailed up. They landed in Perga, which was just a marshy, um, malaria, mosquito-ridden area. So they went right through there. They went up to Pamphylia, and they ended at their destination, which was Antioch, Pisidia. The apostles are on mission. The Holy Spirit commissioned them. The church sent them out. They officially began the last leg of the Great Commission, go tell people about me to the ends of the earth. Their journey began from Antioch in Syria. Now they're at Antioch, Pisidia. You know the deal. They stopped at Cyprus. That was Barnabas's hometown or home area, the island of Cyprus. There's a point here. When they finished there, we already talked about that, they moved over, they moved up into the Tarsus Mountains, Antioch, Pisidia. That was Paul's home area. There's a point there. There's a principle there for us. There's a principle for us to ponder. Start where you are. In the place with which you are familiar. Where God has already placed you. Don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, when I get or when I become or when this happens, boy, then I'm going to really get serious about it. Start now. Start where you are. God has placed you very intentionally and strategically. You might not have been intentional and strategic about where you are, but God is. And where you are is no coincidence, and it's not random. He placed you there. He may move you later, or he may give you an additional place to be on mission, but for now, start where you are. Your family, your friends, your network of relationships, none of that's coincidence. Your neighborhood, where you live, your workplace, where you work, community, civic, social groups. Some of us have hobbies and we're involved with a group around that hobby. School, some of us are in school. The possibilities are endless. And none of these are just random and coincidence. If you know the Lord, he placed you there. Even Manos. He placed you here. He allowed you to get caught. The question is, are you going to take advantage of it? Something else to remember. We're here to bring you the good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, on and on. It talks about Jesus. We said this last week. In evangelism, in witnessing. I don't even like that word, but it is a biblical word. In witnessing. And telling others about Jesus, it's always about Jesus. It's always about the gospel message of salvation in Jesus' name. It seems whenever they spoke about Jesus to folks who did not know him, this is, this is a very important point. The very last line of this verse says, everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. And there's many ways to say what that means they come to know the Lord, they're born again, their sins are forgiven, and on and on. But everyone who puts their faith, their trust in him, is made right in God's sight. Whenever they spoke about Jesus, they gave an opportunity to receive him. They gave an opportunity to accept him. They didn't just tell people about him and then let them on their own. If you could say it, they pushed to seal the deal. They pushed to make it happen intentionally, not obnoxiously, but intentionally not stopping short. 
not an aborted witness. That's all wrapped up in the phrase, they're, they're speaking this to the crowd. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Implied in this statement is an invitation for the hearers to believe, to fully trust, and to receive salvation in Jesus' name. This is extremely important because many people miss heaven by about this much. They've heard the, no they've heard the information, they got the head knowledge, but it's never into their heart. There's never that opportunity to actually receive him. And yet look at this verse, and I want to point out something very important for the church. You might even disagree with me. That's okay. Your argument is not with me. It's with Scripture. To all who believed him, Jesus, and accepted him or received him, he gave the right to become children of God. To become children of God, rightly related to God to become reconciled and restored to God, to become part of the family of God with God as Father. Here's the important part. Are you listening? Yeah. Eyes up here. A grave mistake many make. You, you've probably heard it. You hear it all the time. I just heard it between when I prepared this message and now I've already heard somebody say this. A grave mistake many make, especially in the world, but unfortunately in the church as well, is thinking that all human beings are children of God. It's so easy to think that way because it sounds so good. We're all children of God. I heard a, a person who was speaking at a political convention say that yesterday. We're all children of God. We're the brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God. That sounds so good. Then everybody's okay. The unfortunate part is it's not true. We're not all children of God. Believe me, if you would have known me before I came to know the Lord, you would have known I wasn't a child of God. And probably most of you too. We're all created by God. True. We're all his creation. But sin took us out of relationship with him. Sin took us or precluded us from being in the family of God. Jesus told the religious leaders who were opposing him, you are of your father, the devil. You're not children of God. You're under your father, the devil. You become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ when you're born again into his family. Does everybody get that? Because you're going to come across that in these days ahead. As people wax elephant eloquent with their, we're all part of the family of God. We, we got to accept one another and any behavior, we got to accept that because, well, we're all his children. We're the brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God. It doesn't matter if you're Islamic or Buddhist or Hindu or New Age or whatever. You're okay. You're okay. That's not true. There's one way to heaven, it's through faith in Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me, Amen. but through me. Becoming a child of God, part of his family, is a right that's granted only to those who come to God in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and receive salvation in his name. Then we become sons and daughters of God. 
If you don't like that, take it up with him. Because right there it is. Some things are a little gray in scripture. This is not. So back to the point that we were making. Whenever the apostles had a chance to speak about Jesus to folks who did not yet know him, they didn't let any room, any wiggle room for them walking away without having a chance to enter into salvation. The application of this point for us, unfortunately, when we do have a chance to speak to someone about Jesus, Many of us often stop short of offering them salvation. Many of us stop short of inviting them to receive Jesus as their Savior. It's easy to stand here and talk about it. It's very hard to actually do it. Because when you're getting to a point where you're about ready to to invite someone to accept Jesus, all hell will break out loose. All, All hell will break loose, break out around us. So what we will usually do is we'll invite them to church. It's much easier to invite somebody to church than it is to invite them to receive Jesus as their Savior. You don't really even have to mention the name Jesus to invite them to church. Hey, where do you go to church? Well, why don't you come and visit my church? Or after we're done talking to them, we'll say, you know what, I'll pray for you. I'll pray that everything's okay and... We stop short of the place where we really have to get to. Would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? Right now, we can pray together. What's the worst they can say? No. And even if they ridicule you, what does it matter? Because you're pleasing to God. Still, I'm, I'm still going to be pushing this point. For many of us, Just speaking about Jesus to unbelievers is tough. I've actually had people, sincere Christians, say to me, yeah, it worked the other day. This conversation was going this way, and I thought I was going to have to talk about Jesus, but phew, it never happened. You laugh, but that might have been you. And that may be me. There's a tension that begins to build when you sense the congregation's going that way. That demon's not going to let go of them very easily. He's holding them, and he's trying to interrupt your conversation. You begin to feel that, it's real, right? So talking to them actually about Jesus, it's not that hard to talk about church. It's not that hard to talk about certain things of Scripture or even the name of God. That's humorous that that came through, but we need to stop. That was uh, Doris Wittgenstein's phone number. And, you know, Doris is in the last stages of death, and I was up to see her yesterday. There's not a whole lot of time. So that number just called me. Would somebody, Bob, would you stand and just pray out about this situation, and I'll call as soon as we're done here. Good and loud, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Maybe seated. I did meet with Doris yesterday, and I can 
I can uh, give you good news that she has every assurance of her salvation. And she is ready. She is absolutely ready to go and be with the Lord. She's 80, 86, 85. She's in a very serious health issues. She's bedridden. Hospice was called in. So it's not a, a real, for the family, yes, we're going to be very sad and grieved. But for Doris, um, not so much. She's, she's doing well. She's ready to go. So we were saying how tough it is to talk to people when you really start to talk to them about Jesus and not, not all around that, that subject. It's actually off the charts uncomfortable to invite them to receive Jesus as Savior. Now, having said that, I want to give a disclaimer. Because I know, and you know, that every time we talk to someone about Jesus... The conversation will not necessarily get to the point where they're ready to have an invitation. And we need to have discernment. How far does the Holy Spirit want me to go? And sometimes inviting them to church is appropriate. Stopping there. And sometimes saying I'll pray for them or whatever, that is appropriate. But there is a concern that there are times where the Holy Spirit has a person ready and we stop short. And that's what we want to guard against. Does that make sense? Are you okay with that? Okay. It's biblical. Paul and Barnabas and the rest of the New Testament gang, they made sure, more so than not, that after telling folks about Jesus, they gave them an invitation to come into that salvation. What good is it to leave them hanging? That's the end of the review. Moving into today's message. Will you stand with me, please? Stacy, I think you're, you're my reader. Will you come to the mic? Ron, will we make sure this orange mic is on? Stacy's going to read chapter Acts 13, 42 to 52. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of God, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up... They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Stacy. And you may be seated. And I just thought of another little story I want to tell you with Doris yesterday. You know, there's so much going on in the world. We got this war 
between Russia and Ukraine, which could escalate to who knows what. We had the COVID pandemic. It seems to be winding down, but, you know, there's always the dire predictions of more and that sort of thing. We had the Canada situation. We, we got all this stuff going on in the world. You got this rising church that's just coming into its own and battling evil. And I was up with Doris most of yesterday morning. And as I was driving home, the thought just came into my mind. I thought, you know, all this stuff's going on in the world, all this front line, cutting edge stuff. I mean, man, I, I'd really like to be a part of that. And it's like, how does this thing fit in these daily things that we go through? You know, like, I'm not out there in the front lines. I'm up there with Doris. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly, and he said, that's one soul that Satan won't have. I thought, that's what this is all about. That is the front lines of the battle. You don't have to be over in Russia, Ukraine, or up in Canada, or just be doing every day what the Lord tells you to do. So today's title, little, little, not strange, but curious, with whom? And we'll see the relevance of the title in the application. So what I want to do through these verses 42 through 52 is show us the results of this intentional, strategic, evangelistic plan, Paul and Barnabas. In 42, it says the people begged them to speak about these things again. The people wanted to hear more. Some of them, at least, were interested and they were curious after Paul and Barnabas spoke. It says they begged them to come back and speak again. Begged is a very strong word in Scripture. They wanted to know more. Now, that seems like a good result, right? The people want to hear more. 1343 says, Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. This is another group now. Same congregation, but another group out of that, out of that synagogue congregation. The two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. Following is a very interesting word. It means to come into agreement with, to follow suit. If you're playing cards, if you're a card player, you have to follow suit. If somebody plays a diamond, you've got to play a diamond. You've got to follow that lead. It means to become like the one or the teaching that you're choosing to follow. So let me sum this up, verse 42 and 43. Some of the folks, after hearing Paul and Barnabas, they were curious. Their curiosity was piqued. Their hearts were touched. They wanted to hear more next week. But others, they'd already heard enough, and they had made up their minds. They were going to follow Paul and Barnabas. They were going to follow their teaching. They were going to become disciples. They're the ones that responded to the invitation to accept Jesus. They sort of as they did in those days, they attached themselves to Paul and Barnabas, and they followed them around, literally, like many disciples did with Jesus. So, so far, I'd say Paul and Barnabas have been fairly, fairly effective. You? They got people that want to hear more. They got people that already got saved and are following them. They're going to build a church there in Antioch, Pisidia. The following week... Good news is about to get better. 
The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. That's the desire of your heart, isn't it? You go into work and people want to hear. Wow, after one synagogue session in Antioch, Pisidia, now almost the entire town is coming out to hear the gospel, to hear about Jesus from this intentional, strategic plan that Paul and Barnabas, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, had set for their lives. This is what they were going to do, and the Holy Spirit was blessing it. You set an intentional, strategic plan. Expect the Holy Spirit to begin blessing it. Apparently, those who had become followers, and maybe even some of those who were just curious, started doing what we're supposed to be doing. They went out into the town, and they shared about Jesus. Some of them didn't even know him yet. Then the town came out to hear him. We may just have ourselves a revival brewing here in Antioch, Pisidia. Amen? Amen. Okay. But, there's always that but, isn't there? But, when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and they argued against whatever he said. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women. Those religious women? Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas, and they ran them out of town. Going great. Revival's breaking out. Things are happening, man. God's on the move. But what's in it for us? As we have seen so often, and God is so preparing us, opposition Persecution broke out against the apostles, broke out against that evangelistic effort. I don't really want to say too much about it because we've already discussed this topic at length. But what I do want to say again is when you step out for God, expect opposition. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial that has come upon you as though something strange were happening. Satan does not give up his plunder easily. He holds on to lost souls. That's why you've been praying for so-and-so for so many years. Don't give up. And the other thing I want us to know, we cannot allow opposition to be a measure of whether we were successful or not. These guys were hugely successful, but there was still opposition. Sometimes when we hit opposition, we begin to question Should I have? Maybe I'm out of God's will. We have all these questions. No. When you're in God's will and you're doing his work, opposition arises. Don't give up. Don't turn back. We will reap a harvest if we what? Don't give up. (laughs) We cannot allow opposition to be a measure of whether we're in God's will or whether we're being effective. Just because opposition breaks out, that's no measure if it's of God. That's no measure how successful we've been, even if we get run out of town. Next slide. We're, we're not in the persecution area anymore. We're back to the Gentiles, the ones who, who received that message. When they heard this, that's the gospel message, not the persecution. But when they heard the gospel message, they were very glad. They thanked the Lord for his message. 
And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. So they preached in the synagogue one Sunday. They were invited to come back by a number of people who begged to hear it again. They had a number of people who already accepted the message and became believers. Then the entire town came out to hear it again. And now it spread to the whole region. That's the way God works. We'll wait till things settle down here. <laughs> Sonny, she blamed this on you. You gave him candy. We have revival breaking out because they laid an intentional strategic plan. What might God do in our lives if we actually get serious about this? And that's where I want to move to a close because I want to add something to last week. Last week was be intentional, and we were to ask the Lord two things. We were to ask the Lord, okay, I'm looking at my life now. Where am I to be intentionally and strategically involved? Am I already in that place, or is there something you want to say, somewhere you want to move me, something you want to add to it? We were asking where. That's the first thing. The second thing, when we knew the where, then we wanted to ask who. Okay, who in this circle of relationships, in my sphere of influence, who are the specific individuals, names and faces, who you want me to reach for Christ? Those were the two questions from last week. Did anybody do that? Well, there's where you got to start. you got to do that before you do this next one. You know, the where and the who become your focus. The where and the who become your mission field. Oh, I want to be out like Paul and Barnabas. You know, I'm always like, well, I want to be here and there. I want to be out like Paul and Barnabas, going to the regions beyond. Where God has you and who he's calling you to reach is your mission field. Every bit as important as where Paul and Barnabas went or, you know, we have many missionaries our denomination around the world. By the way, we have many missionaries and many churches in Ukraine. Not all of them are in the war zone, but some of them are. At last report, they're all safe, but it's a matter of prayer. And some of them were moved to safety. This gives me the chills. Some of them refused to move because they wanted to stay in the war zone and minister to the people and the refugees. Yeah, see, that's God's heart. Not that the ones who were moved to safety are wrong. I'm not implying that. That could be God's plan for them. But the heart of those who stayed. Anyhow, the where, you've asked God where. The who, you've asked God who. That now becomes your mission field. You are living as intentionally and strategically for that as Paul and Barnabas did for what the Holy Spirit said to them. Closing up, a third component now I want you to ask. If you didn't do the where and the who, you got to do it first. And God is, God is adamant about this, man. Don't, don't take it lightly. God is pushing the church these days into this. He's not letting up. The next piece that we add to that is with whom? 
With whom is God calling you to partner in this venture? Or conversely, who, God, who is God calling to partner with you to accomplish the assignment? You determine this in prayer. You let the Holy Spirit show you. Paul and Barnabas were a team. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas. Not Paul, not Barnabas, but Paul and Barnabas. And he sent them out as a team. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, teams of two. That's not just happenstance. There's a couple of reasons. There's at least two reasons that I can think of of why it's so important to have with whom, to have somebody with you in your assignment. One is this. Jesus, these are Jesus' words. I tell you, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. One reason we need to have somebody in this with us is because there's great power in agreement. Right, Justin? There's great power in agreement. When two or three agree on something, there's power. Oh, the unfortunate thing is that works on the other side, too. When the devil and his people and his demons come into agreement, that's bad. We want to keep praying confusion and chaos into the enemy's camp. We don't ever want them coming into agreement. For us, we need to start coming into more agreement with each other. Justin's been begging us practically to come out to these prayer meetings if possible and start praying in agreement with us. There's great power in agreement. But there's a second reason why we need somebody with us on this assignment, why they went out in two by two. By two. And it's for protection. It's for encouragement. It's for strengthening, that sort of thing. Listen to this verse and then we'll be done. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Sometimes we wonder why we get hit so hard by Satan, and often it's because we don't have anybody with us, praying with us, protecting us, having our back. We're easier, we're at least much easier prey for Satan when we're alone, when we're working alone. So God will give you your assignment. And then you want to ask him, who's in this with me? And you might want to ask him, look around, who am I to come alongside and be with them in their assignment? Not all of us are married, but if we are, that's a great starting point. After last week's message, Deb and I have set kind of like a target in a good sense, and we've begun praying together for somebody that, a couple that we think God wants us to reach for Christ. But it's the two of us. So as we worship, as you have your devotions, as you spend time with the Lord and you're seeking him for your where and your who, add to that, now with whom am I to partner? 
Who do you want to partner with me? Or who maybe are you laying on my heart that I can call and say, hey, I'm not sure where God is, is laying this on your heart, but I'm willing to get involved with you in this matter. Don't take that lightly because you can't be involved with everybody and everybody can't be involved with you. So you got to know where God's calling you. Who is it? A great starting point to get people coming into agreement with you. Justin, where would that be? <laughs> I thought so. Gotcha. Few demerits. Put that down. Somebody mark that down. A couple demerits. Where's a great place to start to have people in a, be in agreement with you? At the corporate prayer time. So when you come to the corporate prayer time and you bring your mission with you, others are, at least for that moment, they're going to be together with you. People bring things like that into the, into the Wednesday morning and we pray. I've had it on my heart for a long time to pray for Anvil, the plant. I shared that with you last week. And I am praying for that on my own. But I pray for that every Wednesday morning and all of those guys in the prayer meeting with me, agree with me on that. What, am I losing you guys, or what's going on here? We got people up and down and in and out. I got one more thing to say, and then then you can move. So I have an illustration. Uh, It just blew me away. Wednesday, when I brought Anvil up again in prayer, I know the guys were praying in, in that meeting with me, but Steve Smith, who knew nothing about this message today, just out of the blue said, oh, by the way, Pastor, I want you to know I'm joining with you in that prayer for Anvil, and I now am praying for them. So before I even preach this, I got somebody that's in agreement with me on that mission. God put it on his heart. Okay. Band, you'll come forward. Art, as you make your way up, you're going to come to the mic. You're going to close us in prayer. The rest of us will stand. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for this word today because it's so important. You know, the times that uh, we're around other people and we feel that inkling of you moving us to, to speak to someone, but not ever giving the opportunity at the end to ask what that really got, really got my attention about that this morning. I know it got a lot of our attentions about that, Father. But, Lord, we thank you for this word because, Lord, it's only going to make us uh, stronger as individuals, stronger as a church family, stronger as Christians for you, Lord, that when the opportunity does present itself again, that we could uh, be able to give the opportunity and and ask do they want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because, Lord, we have to remember where we were at one time when we were lost and and, and needed uh, guidance, Lord. Someone took the time to pray for us and someone took the time to, to speak to us and introduce us to you, Lord. And, and that's what it's all about, Lord. It's about helping people and setting people free, Lord, that they could seek after you, Lord, and that it can continue to spread. And Lord, we know that there's gonna be times that when we do get an opportunity to talk that that little thing is going to come up in us or there's going to be a distraction. 
because it doesn't want your will and your purpose to go forth. But Father, we just ask that, Lord, as we hear these words today, Lord, that as we go out this week, Lord, that you would just strengthen us as, as Christians to walk and to, to, to just be sensitive to your spirit, Father. We just thank you for this word today, Lord, and we ask that you would just continue to speak to us as we go throughout this week. And, and when opportunity does present itself, just have your way in us, Lord. Just, just speak through us. We thank you for the word today, and we ask that you would just continue to bless it, Lord, as we worship you now, Father. Thank you, Lord, so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.